friends, this is Nicole Desain. Welcome to Talent Tales, the show where I interview leaders who have brought design thinking to their talent and HR practices. In today's episode, we have a special guest on the show. I'm joined by Stella Ioannidou, who is the IT workforce lead at Eurobank in beautiful Greece. Welcome, Stella. Hi, thanks for uh, having me. I'm very honored and very proud to be on Talent Tales. This is amazing work you've been doing uh, for human-centered design and very happy to see some great uh, friends and the collaborators of mine, Yanis Kanutas, Sonia Muni, Laurie Quillos. Thank you guys for joining us. Yeah, thank you. And I was just saying it's very early in the U.S. So, but, you know, so I said Stella is in Greece. So very excited to have a fellow European on the show today. So Stella, uh, what's your story? Okay. Um, Okay, let's just start by saying that I'm not your typical HR person. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I can actually call myself an HR person, Mm -hmm. given that I've never worked in an HR department or I've never, you know, reported to a CHRO. Um, I'm more like a project manager gone south. Um, I started in project management thinking, you know, that it's like the, the big projects that can move the world around and uh, you got to help, you know, generate value and all that stuff. And after like a decade in project management, I realized that what set apart good projects from bad projects or successful projects for not so successful projects was the, the people element how the people, the people who are part of a project actually um, were actually engaged in it, or if they liked it, or if they felt that they were gaining personal value out of it. So I said, okay, so as a next step, you know, to advance my contribution, let's turn to coaching and start, you know, incorporating some coaching practices into project management. And one thing led to another. And I started realizing that it's more about engaging people at a cultural context as a whole, rather than focusing on the, the six or the eight or the, you know, 15 months of a project. Because when the project resolves, the, you know, the team result dissolves, the, the culture is lost. So it's actually an organizational element. And that led me to, uh, um, you know, feel very deeply about uh, people and how they perform and what makes them tick and um, helping them get, you know, the, not just, you know, the projects or the tasks they need to succeed, but also the skills they need to succeed. You know, what they, they need to learn uh, or unlearn or relearn in some cases. Um, and this is what I'm doing um, late um, now. Um, I lead the, the effort to reskill and unskill the IT personnel of, uh, of Eurobank. And so I love that. I love the, the comment that you say, I'm not HR, I haven't reported to HR. So even though we, um, you know, say applying design thinking to HR, but really what I mean is to people practices. And it doesn't have to be somebody who reports into HR or even has worked in HR. Um, on the contrary, I, I'm intrigued by that. And I think more of us in HR, you know, are needing to and should collaborate with others in the organization who have people leadership or people development responsibility. So um, I love that and welcome to the show, definitely. Um, I also love your path, how you're, um, how you came to the conclusion that really everything is sort of people-based, right? And, and I think we're finding that right now and in general, that really at the core of every business are the people who make the business successful. So, and if we don't work with the people, develop the people, um, you know, our business aren't thriving. So I love that. Yeah. 
you know, when I realized that, you re, when you, you know, you come to realize that, you mm-hmm. it kind of changed your entire mindset around how you approach work, how you communicate with the, your colleagues and your collaborators, and how you design for them and mm-hmm. with them. So it's, yeah. a, you know, it's a paradigm uh, change. Once yeah. this, uh, you know, this idea uh, co- enters your brain, I don't know, at, at least for me, I mm-hmm. couldn't get it out. It was like mm-hmm. everything was human-centered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you caught the bug, as I call it. <laughs> so tell us, uh, usually our listeners love to hear about our guests' creative superpower. What's yours? Okay. Okay, so um, this is the part where I bring a post-it and actually I brought, you know, you know what they say, if you can't explain it with one post-it, bring three. So, <laughs> is that what they say? <laughs> so, yeah, so this, these are three post-its and this is, you know, an arrow. So um, should I be explaining what this means to me and how this uh, resonates yeah. to my superpower? Yes. You know, the, um, uh, the post-its are, they have the same shape, you know, they have the same size, they have different colors. So my creative superpower is the concept of analogy and the concept that you can draw from something that looks like what you're trying to solve or feels like the problem you're, um, you're, you're willing to tackle or, you know, there's an element that can actually help you find, convey meaning from something that originally uh, may not appear so straightforward. Mm-hmm. I do, I firmly believe, and this is how, um, you know, th- this is the, the basis of every intervention I've contributed. Um, like, there is no, you know, virgin birth. There's no, I had an epiphany. It happened like once in a, in a lifetime. The truth is out there. And someone else has tackled the same problem in a different setup, um, in a, perhaps in a different way, perhaps a different timing. But someone's had this type of problem. So mm-hmm. what did they do to solve it? Mm-hmm. And how analogous is this? And what can you draw from someone else's exper- experience in paradigm? And so mm-hmm. by forming these analogies and these links, you can actually you know, create more possible solutions for you to test in a prototype phase later on than if you're you know, uh, faced with a complex problem thinking, wow, this is too big and this is, you know, too complex. How on earth am I going to solve this? Uh, mm-hmm. I need a, you know, uh, a genuine idea that no one's ever thought of. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. is what, uh, you know, the, what um, I think it's crucial to how I, I bring a contribution through mm-hmm. my work, the mm-hmm. use of analogy. Love that analogy and get inspiration from, from analogous um, situations. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned earlier already, you hinted at human-centered design. So let's, let's dive into that. Um, tell us a little bit more about how you discovered design thinking slash human-centered design. Maybe you can share the difference in your mind between the two. Uh, always interested in hearing that. And how you've applied it at Eurobank. Okay, so uh, let's start from design thinking versus mm-hmm. human-centered design. Mm-hmm. To me, design thinking is one, you know, buzzword, uh, one marketing uh, hashtag mm-hmm. around uh, one way to practice human-centered design. There are many ways mm-hmm. to to design mm-hmm. based on the human being and not uh, as opposed mm-hmm. to designing based on the process, design based on the value, and, you know, it's uh, mm-hmm. designing based on the human experience. So mm-hmm. this is how I see the difference between design thinking and human-centered 
um, design. I think design thinking is one way to uh, embark in human-centered design. Um, it's in Eurobank and in, uh, in the context of an organizational context. It came like um, two to four years ago. I'm not really sure. Perhaps it's four, perhaps it's uh, two. Um, uh, we started redesigning the way we did business analysis. We started rethinking, like, how are we, you know, uh, um, how are we reviewing our business processes and um, how can we design better solutions and uh, more tailored to our, uh, our customer needs, more customer centric. So mm -hmm. they brought in some uh, a new pilot methodology of design thinking. One thing led to another. And for some people like my friend Yanis Kanutos here, this has been their, you know, uh, one of their uh, main contributions, like assisting and bringing about organizational change um, using human-centered uh, design. We're, as Eurobank is still pretty new at this, but um, they've had some pretty um, notable uh, examples of um, uh, how uh, they've been implementing uh, this. Um, I can uh, talk about the, the latest project, if you mm -hmm. want me to. Mm -hmm. It's the one uh, I was involved with. And it was about how to tackle, how to how to manage the the COVID uh, uh, response plan, no, the COVID crisis. Yeah. Because there was this huge extravaganza that came upon us, and no one felt ready. And mm -hmm. of course, there were a lot of operational and readiness and business continuity plans that had to happen. But there was another thing related to how people were responding that needed to be addressed as well. And so what we did in our small ecosystem or of IT, remember, because um, I work yep. for IT, for the people of IT. So we, um, we, were, um, we were not able to observe our people in their, in their uh, native environment anymore because everyone was sent home. Right? It's not like I can, uh, you know, go around the corridors and say, hey, Mike, how's it doing today? How are you feeling with remote work? Because Mike is at home and there is no way to, to do, the, you know, the Gemba talk and see how things are progressing. And we felt it because we, um, the, the design team, the central team, we were struggling and we were, we were thinking that, okay, if, if I'm struggling, other other people are struggling like me. So how can we, you know, understand what's going on and then find our, how might we, uh, you know, a proposal and work, uh, work our way through there. So we started, we, we took the, to us, this is a change management initiative. This is mm -hmm. how do you manage this change that came in the form of a crisis and how do mm -hmm. you support your people um, you know, to, to maintain their productivity and to keep operations up because this is a bank. We cannot just shut down and say, okay, so there's a COVID crisis. Bye-bye. We're shutting down now. Mm -hmm. And um, there were, you know, the, the IT department uh, is very, very pivotal because the systems need to always be up and running. Mm -hmm. And we had to make sure that 4,000 people were, uh, had the, you know, the remote work uh, infrastructure they needed to work from home. So mm -hmm. things were pretty hectic for group IT. And we needed to make sure the continuity was not just you know, on paper, but people actually could support this. Mm -hmm. So we borrowed um, some uh, of the best, perhaps, tools of human-centered design. For instance, from, ethnograph from ethnographic research, we took one-on-one -on -one deep interviews. So we went on and interviewed some managers and some uh, people, uh, team members, uh, some of our colleagues. Like, 
how are you hanging? Like the first week, it's on a, it's a fear zone. You don't know what's, uh, what's happening. You know, the first week of the lockdown, mm-hmm. um, you're not really in the mood to hear anything. You just want some information. Like, where do I go? What tools am I missing? Like instructions, right? Mm-hmm. You're not in a, in a debate mood or in a, you don't feel like very productive. You feel threatened. So the first week, Hmm. as the organization was preparing the context, we did the deep interviews to see what's the pulse right now. How how do people, you know, um, tackle this uh, situation? And what we realized is that, um, okay, people... Uh, mostly they had, you know, they had a grip of the technical stuff, like how do I set up uh, my remote PC and, uh, you know, how, which uh, uh, software uh, I can use and stuff like that. But um, they wanted more about, you know, collaboration tools. And uh, so now what, will I be using my mobile phone? Is there another way to do my meetings and stuff like that? So we said, okay, um, take this uh, idea and let's build a prototype. So we built a prototype in the form of, a, of an infographic, our first infographic. And we said, okay, we'll show this infographic and we'll do some small workshops with uh, three of our management teams, our managers and their supervisors and then team leaders that present this workshop and uh, have a small talk with them to see how they like the material and, um, you know, what's their, uh, what's their feedback. Like two weeks in, as we were doing those uh, workshops, we were uh, capturing the feedback in the form of an, of an empathy map. So it's like what they're feeling, what they're saying, what they're thinking, what they're doing. And we realized that only like uh, a week, a week and a half into those workshops, the, the, um, you know, the, the questions, the themes were beginning to change. So people were less in, uh, interested in tools and more interested in like, um, how do I manage my team? And uh, how do I uh, remove impediments in a virtual world? Or how do I monitor if people are actually working? So what do you do? Because this is dynamic. You Mm -hmm. you take the feedback and you're not afraid to scrub whatever it is you did or, you know, revisit everything you did and just add to the to the whole, um, you know, to, to the whole experience. So. They said, okay, so we, they, we need more information about how to manage my teams and how to, to monitor what's going on. So we added another small, you know, increment in our uh, workshop, give it another like 15 minutes and, and so on and so forth. Uh, we created in, um, uh, in a month and a half, we did 20 uh, sessions with all our uh, managers and all our supervisors and team leaders in IT. And what I say all, the, the, we're talking about the, the group IT of the bank is 600 people. So it's a lot of people. And we're mm-hmm. discussing like uh, 70 managers. So it's, it's a population, you know, it, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a notable uh, amount of people. So we kept changing our how might we as things and the insights progress because they were dynamic. And at the, the end of the, of the sessions, we realized that what people needed more from that uh, workshop was more the, the, the feeling that they belonged in a group that cared. We don't, we don't longer want to hear about the tools. We're confident about managing our teams. We want to be heard or we want to feel like we're not alone in tackling those types of problems. That there's other managers like me out there who are faced with the same problem. And it's like, it's like, um, so I can't, uh, you know, find, uh, I have, a, uh, for example, an, uh, um, a manager told us, 
uh, I thought I was the only one who uh, had this problem that when I do a team meeting, only I'm talking. But when you hear it from like 15 other people in laces, okay, this is a, this is a broader thing. It's not that I'm doing something wrong. This is something general, something, you know, uh, the, the, it generated an, uh, a feeling of empathy and connection to a broader scheme of things. And this is how uh, the, the entire um, communication management plan evolved with the help of human-centered design from instructions on how to use tools to creating a sense of belonging in a team that is supporting you to, you know, to make the best of uh, this uh, weird teleworking situation that we were abruptly thrown in. I, I love that on so many angles. <laughs> That's so awesome because so my, my thinking is that if there was a time to use some human-centered design in organizations and in, in the world, really, it is now because it's meant to be to work uh, on audacious problems, on complex problems, on the gray areas. That's what it's literally for. So um, I think wherever we can apply it and then it has the empathy component. Right. So I think those two, the complex problem solving and the empathy component are like made for this time. So I love that you seized that and, and leaned on that. Um, a question, I've, and by the way, just a reminder for everybody, put your questions in the chat and we'll get to them um, at the end. Um, a question that I had, as you were saying, you adjusted as you went along and and yeah, totally agree. What might have been challenges in March aren't the same challenges that are there now, right? And they literally might have changed day by day or week by week. How did you keep on top of the pulse? You said you adjusted, but so you and you did empathy interviews initially. How did you keep adjusting and learning how things changed along the way? Okay, so we created, you know, a shared repository of the tools. And every time there was an updated version, everyone got it. And everyone was notified that we were saying to anybody that, like, okay, we're not sending you the tool via email because the tool is dynamic. So we're creating a space that whenever you uh, want to, you know, go back and see the material again, you will always find the updated version. And after each workshop, every tip that made sense or every solution to you know a problem that okay so this guy has solved the problem that three workshops ago Stella was saying that she was facing so let's put that in the material and get everyone notified Good. so now that we've created this like you could say a community of practice I don't really like the term but you could say like a community of uh, of practice around this uh, and now we're going to go back to do a recircle uh, with, you know, the back to work uh, element because we're gradually uh, planning our, uh, you know, end of lockdown and gradual return to working from the office. So um, this, again, is going to be another step. But we, we, I think that after you close the circle and you've addressed them once, it's like you've done the first, you know, the first sprint. Now it's time to revisit people and see uh, and get even more feedback about what worked and what did and then what changed from when uh, we last spoke to you. Because, mm -hmm. you know, the, uh, the first... The first uh, workshop happened uh, one half, one, um, one month and a half ago. So those people need to be revisited first to see how we can support them now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Love that. Are, are there like any specific tools? You know, you mentioned community of practice. People always want to know 
about the tool to use. I know there isn't a magic wand for it, but anything maybe that worked for you guys successfully to make to gather that feedback, maintain this connection and community that you use in addition to the, the workshops? We we like to keep things super simple. Yeah. So we just created a shared OneDrive repository, yeah. you know, yeah. like a shared folder for everyone yeah. with the mm -hmm. infographics on PDF form and the posters with some infographics and some posters mm -hmm. to explain our tools. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the big PDF so it, you can access it from anywhere, yeah. from any device. And, uh, you know, just keeping it super, super simple. Yeah. And of course, to do the workshops, we did a virtual uh, um, meeting room, like a Zoom call. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And, and, and I super, totally agree. Simple. Yeah, super thanks. Simple things should be simple use the tools that you already use with your team you know don't necessarily introduce anything new or fancy unless it's needed right so yeah, I, I love at that this phase imagine this people are so right. overwhelmed with info right. and tools you don't need to tell them like get right. another tool or get some other you know there are amazing uh, collaboration tools out there but right, right. now you want to focus on the right. feeling of the people not playing yeah. smart fast with tools you know true True. Yeah. So, so a question that usually people uh, are curious about is, um, you know, we understand things are really well, but were there any barriers either in bringing design thinking in general to your practice or on this particular project that you had to overcome? And how did you do that? How much time do I have? Well, a few minutes. I know. <laughs> no, I mean, to answer that, you know, to give you the list of the barriers. And... <laughs> okay. So the, the, uh, okay, I'm not going to say something amazingly breakthrough here. That, that it's the commonest barrier that uh, for us as well, mindset. People are stuck to the old ways, like why change something that worked uh, for, I don't know, why, uh, why not do focus groups? We've been doing focus groups for the past 30,000 years. Like, why not? You know, why, why change, uh, you know, a habit or change a practice that we are very comfortable with? And um, so the mindset of comfort was the biggest barrier to introduce any uh, new, uh, you know, way of doing uh, work or generating value. And, you know, people may be initially, draw initially drawn to a new way of uh, doing work for hearing a buzzword like, okay, design thinking, everyone's talking design thinking, it should be cool. Let's start with that. But once people see that it's actually more of a paradigm shift, it's an entire mindset behind this. You can, you know, do, do design thinking and then just go back to doing focus groups. It's like a total, it's a shift to how you're doing business. And most people are, you know, are, they need, at least in the bank, for instance, um, project sponsors um, require you know, very cut and dry uh, numbers and figures to support the business value of any project. And as you know, Nicole, this is not something that you can say from day one in a human-centered design project. You cannot really know that we're going to that we're going to be bringing you thirty thousand, uh, you know, dollars from the per week from the first prototype of the pro of the product of the, or of the service. You really don't know. You need mm -hmm. to go and test the waters and come back and iterate and, you know, do, do the loop. And it's a process. Mm -hmm. So um, even in those cases, though, with the, pros, the, the, the sponsors who are very strict, you know, rigid in their position to um, have money, uh, you know, uh, money and figures 
to allow a project to be run if you empathize with them and you see okay what what's mm -hmm. what's the standpoint what's the barrier there what, what's the you know the need what's the um, what's the fear or what's the necessity then uh, even in those cases you can find ways to you know to um, allow some input on uh, uh, you know, embarking in human-centered design projects. In, uh, in the bank lately, we've, um, we've had many um, uh, numerous uh, projects that have actually generated uh, value. And, you know, the, the most, um, I, I think the, the best thing about the human-centered design project, at least the way management sees it, is that people love being part of them. So, mm -hmm they're motivated and they're energized by their opportunity to actually embark in a design thinking project. So uh, even if this is a weird way to a uh, weird reason to have your human centered design project, mm -hmm. we actually use them in, in also, uh, we also use them to motivate people. It's like, yeah. okay, so I want something different for next year for my professional development plan. Okay, Stella, you're going to be leading or you're going to be taking part in the human centered design project. Mm -hmm, yes, mm -hmm. you know, people Love feel that. the part of the design of the creativity process, and these this pays dividends afterwards when they go back to their, you know, uh, the traditional Work. projects. Love that. Um, in closing, what's your favorite design thinking resource or hack? Before we jump into questions. Well, it, it has to be analogy. I mean, I live and breathe mm -hmm. analogy. I write analogy. I write about analogy. So, you know, I, I even have a blog about how analogous the life of a working person and the life of a parent is. So it has to, it has to be that. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. I think that analogy and the ability to um, analyze a big complex thing into smaller problems, smaller parts, uh, can be the, the way to solve or to tackle any organizational problem, like make, make it a sum of its parts and then try to find analogies. Love this that. Is a hack. Love that. And so before we jump into questions, I usually, I give you a quote, I give my guests a quote and let you react to it. Are you ready? It's a, it's a surprise. <laughs> usually, yeah, that's the face that I usually get. I'm not sure, <laughs> but let's do it. All right. Quote, to face the greatest challenges of life, we need to cultivate creative thinking. In times of crisis, you need to tap into every good idea you have, unquote. John Maxwell. Yeah, actually, yeah, creativity is a mindset free. You know, the, there, is no, there is no other way, I think. I think there is no other way to, to tackle this. Because if you, if you approach it any other way, in, face of, in the face of adverse, adversity, in the face of problems, you'll get, you know, uh, you get discouraged. But if you approach it like uh, you know, the creative spark, okay, so what can I learn from this? Or what's the opportunity here? I mean, I had a, uh, my family had to relocate amidst the COVID crisis. It was, it was a nightmare, like, but still, but if you approach this experience from a creative aspect, like, what can I learn now? So, okay, I can, I learn to, you know, to unpack very fastly, or I, I learn how to better negotiate lease plans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great, great, great. Thank you so much for that. So got questions here for you from the chat. Um, how do we sustain that feeling of empathy and connection with the team? Laurie, thanks so much for being here. Hi. 
um, the frequent check-ins. This is what I, what we did. Like you don't just, you know, leave people, give people resources and allow an infinite amount of time and just hope that they, you know, they, they make do like frequent check-in. So we did this workshop. Did it work for you? Was there any value? Why, why, why not? What, you know, making people part of the process, actually, you know, part of the building, um, part of the building uh, scheme. Like if you design for them, they're not so engaged as if you design with them because they know the minute that this happens, where everything comes from. For example, yeah, when we design, when we designed the workshops, the, everyone knew why we were saying what we were saying because most of them we had one-on-one uh, -on -one interviews with or they knew why we were discussing what we were discussing and they were, you know, helping drawing the others who were not uh, part of like, ah, you know, this, this part is, it's this uh, specific tip um, is in there because that guy over there had a problem and we know it because we were all part of the design process. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I love that. I mean, that co-creation, that is what is so powerful anyways as a change management tool, right? Instead of designing something and then shoving things, people, you know, throw it down the, the road, we engage them early on. And so we make them part of the, of the journey. As exactly. part of the you know, it works. Me and Yanis, like we, we were just the people who designed mm -hmm. the, uh, you know, the, the fancy infographics. Who gave the content? The people gave the content. We're mm -hmm. just the, the, you know, we're just the, the medium to spread yeah. the message. We're not the message. Yeah. This is what um, makes it impactful. And so people tell, tell us that, um, you know, imagine this, that if I tell you that we're, if I don't tell you anything about how this is designed, I'll tell you that we have designed a one hour workshop through Zoom where mm -hmm. we will be giving uh, tips on remote work. Mm -hmm. Would you like it? We yep. like the concept. It's like it's like menial. There are thousands of uh, you know workshops like that. You don't have to um, rely and spend one hour of your work day on it. But right. if yeah, I tell you that we're having an open discussion and you're going to bring us the problems you're facing and we're going to tell you how other people like you are solving them, it's mm -hmm. going to be more relevant because we empathize with what you're going through right now. Yeah, love that. And those are such great closing words. We are at the end of our time. It was such a pleasure having you. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for joining. And I hope, uh, I hope you'll join us for a future Talent Tales. Thank you, everybody. Bye. <laughs>